Good morning. So it's my privilege this morning to introduce our speaker for the day. And um, uh, many of you, how many of you were at the Seder this last year? Oh, several of you. Good, 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 good. Well, if you were there, you've already met my friend Ted. But um, this morning we have the privilege of hearing from uh, from who is becoming one of my rabbis, and I love it. Ted, uh, Ted Simon has been uh, teaching us a lot of things. I learned, I went to my first Seder this year, learned a lot of that, and now I hope to carry that on into my family, maybe our community group, um, and get to celebrate that. Um, uh, what an awesome time Passover is, even, you know, even more so, I think, as a Christian. Um, but but uh, I'm not going to steal all of Ted's thunder. I'll let you explain your story. But I want to say... Um, I'm really excited to have Ted come and share a little bit more about his life and his, uh, his journey um, as a Messianic Jew and uh, what he's going to share with us about Sabbath in the midst of this practice series. Um, so, Ted, if you'd come and I'll pray for you and uh, we'll let God speak. Lord Jesus, um, we just come before you this morning with grateful hearts. God, thank you for a great friendship that's developing and... Um, Lord, another teacher in my life, and uh, God, we just pray that ultimately we would hear from you, the teacher, today. God, speak through your servant, Ted. Um, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear from you, and Lord, right now, we just pray for Ted that you would fill him with your spirit, Lord, and speak through him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jonas. Shalom Chaverim, that means hello to you, my friends, and I consider Shalom. Many of you uh, friends, those who um, attended the Passover, um, it's one thing, of course, to be invited to a church to speak, um, but when you get invited back, that's kind of, you know, that's okay, right? That's good. And so I'm really honored and um, grateful uh, to be able uh, to speak with you, and um Pastor asked me to speak about Shabbat, which means Sabbath. And um, if you'll put up that first slide, I have big caveats about this. And uh, the first one is, the one who observes the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Uh, the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. That's Romans 14. And the next slide. Therefore... And this is the important one. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. Okay? That's the overarching is, I'm from a Jewish background, and I'm in a Messianic Jewish congregation in Baltimore, and our mission focus is on the Orthodox community so naturally, we keep Sabbath on Saturday. That's us. And so I just want to let you know that uh, from the beginning that I am not judging, nor do I have any um, motivation in that direction regarding food or regarding drink or festivals or new moons. In fact... I was saved, uh, came to the Lord on the Day of Atonement in 1976. Wow, it was really wonderful. Um, it was a wonderful Lutheran lady, and she was very sneaky. Um, <laughs> one, she had her 
prayer group praying for me and my wife. Okay, that's sneaky number one. So when we pray for people and send them out, that's pretty sneaky, you know, because God likes to answer those prayers. And what she would do, what was really sneaky for us, we you know, young people in Hagerstown, Maryland, and uh, she would invite us to her house and serve us a meal. You know, we'd sit around the table. I was an unsaved Jewish man. My wife was not from a Jewish background, but she was pretty lost also. And don't tell her I told, I said that. <laughs> but I was a Jewish heathen and she was a Gentile heathen. And um, she would um, serve us a meal. And then, this is how far back it goes, she would put on a cassette tape. And we would listen to a cassette tape of a rabbi speaking. And then one, um, on the Day of Atonement, she said, you know, this rabbi you've been listening to, um, he's speaking down in Rockville. Would you like to go? And we said, yeah, we'll go. And we went, and they spoke, he spoke on the blood of Jesus. And what can wash away your sin? And I knew I was a sinner, um, but I knew that we weren't doing animal sacrifices. You know, how do you get rid of sin? And he just explained that nothing can wash away our sin but the shed blood of Jesus. And I went forward to give my heart to the Lord, and I turned, and there was my wife. And so we were both saved on the same day. Um, but like I said, we were in Hagerstown, and the synagogue was in, Messianic synagogue was in Rockville. And back in those days, that was like 40 miles. Nobody traveled 40 miles, right? It was just far, and we had a junker of a car, and we weren't going to do that. So the the elders said, well, go to this church in Hagerstown. So we went, started going to this church. And um, it, it was good, but, you know, I never knew when Sabbath began. Because um, in the Jewish tradition, it begins with sunset, a little before sunset on Friday night, and goes to a little bit after sunset on Saturday. Um, that comes from the Hebrew scripture in Genesis, there was evening and there was morning one day. So our days begin at night and travel around. Um, so I never knew when, when, when Sabbath began. We were part of young people fellowship. We had a coffee house that we would go to and sometimes they played games on Saturday night. Sometimes they had music sometimes just uh, Bible study. So that was Saturday, and I said, well, that's kind of when Sabbath begins. And then we'd go to church on Sunday morning, and I said, okay, when does Sabbath end? Um, I just couldn't figure out when it ended. And then finally, I figured out in the church in Hagerstown, Sabbath ended when the Dallas Cowboys kicked off. That was, that was the official ending of Sabbath. Now, if you're a Redskins fan or, an or, or a Ravens fan, I'm sorry. Uh, but that's when it ended in Hagerstown. Uh, you know, Genesis 1.31, it, it says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was good. Very good. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and rested on the seventh day from all which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all the work which God had created and made. As I was preparing this message, I was talking with my wife about it, and um, 
she kind of tongue-in-cheek said, do you think God decided to rest because he was afraid he would become a workaholic? No, he rested and was complete. I, I want to just touch on a concept of time and space. And if you could put the picture of uh, Rabbi Heschel up there. Um, I draw very heavily on Rabbi uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel. He's the man on the left. Um, and Martin Luther King Jr. and then Ray Abernathy is the man holding the Torah. Um, Rabbi Heschel talks about time and space. Time and space. And when the Lord rested on the seventh day and hallowed it, he was consecrating time. He was consecrating time. Not a place, uh, not an altar, not a mountain, not an image, but time itself. And so there's something holy about the time that God set aside, something special about the time. There's actually a connection between heaven and earth that occurs in this time that God has created. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how, what Jewish people do during this time, some of which is wonderful, some of which drives me crazy. And, um, and I want to talk a little bit about what Jesus did in this time, and then end with some things that we can do during this special time that we call Shabbat or Sabbath. I tend to walk when I um, speak, and um, Ben and the others have um, put blue lines on the floor to keep, to keep me within place. I tend to raise, you know, whack my hands too. I almost knock somebody's coffee over talking to them. Whack. Um, but it's like children, you, know, you put boundaries up and the kids have freedom within those boundaries, so uh, I will do that. Exodus 31 says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And then one more thought. In Deuteronomy 5, it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And I want to think a little bit with you, what is the difference between observing and keeping? What is the difference between when you observe the Sabbath day and you keep the Sabbath day? Uh, what is the difference between doing something out of ritual and doing something out of delight. And we'll unpack that a little bit more as we go along, but just keep that in your mind. And then one more scripture uh, from the uh, Old Covenant scriptures, Deuteronomy 5. Remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you, commanded you to keep the Sabbath. The connection between being a slave and then being free. You know, when we were slaves in Egypt, how many days off a week did we get? Did we get 
Saturday off? Do we get Sunday off? Do we get Friday off? The answer is none of the above. When you're a slave, you're a slave 24-7. You have no freedom. You are totally in that environment. In fact, a lot of the known civilization did not have the freedom of a day. The, the, the idea of a week that we have really comes from God, comes from understanding his creation process. And if you were without God, you did not have a seven-day week. You had some other form, maybe 10 days, maybe 30 days, but you certainly were not commanded to set aside time one day each week uh, to be in the presence of God and to give your thoughts and your ideas and your uh, emotions uh, to, to God. Um, I mentioned um, I was in a church in, in Hagerstown, and we, we um, became um, Sunday school teachers, and we became deacons and later elders, and then we started a, a home group that was especially outreach for Jewish people, and um, then we merged with a new congregation that was beginning in Frederick, Maryland, and just as the people here were laying hands on and sending those people off. The elders laid hands on me and, and sent us off. But there was a transition time. There was a time between we were worshiping on Saturday and simultaneously worshiping on Sunday. Worshiping on Saturday, worshiping on Sunday. And the only thing that happened that I could tell was my kids were exhausted and my lawn never got mowed. It was like, you know, what, what, how do you do this? And I would say, too, for, you know, your pastors and, and people in ministry, um, Sunday is really not so much a day of rest. It, it really is um, a day that you, you're pouring into the body. And so there's another day that um, a lot of pastors uh, take as designated for their time off. Again, one person esteems one day above another, but he observes the day, observes it uh, to the Lord. Jewish people um, keep the Sabbath, but there's a saying that more than Jewish people have kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath has kept Jewish people. There's something about setting aside time and space, ceasing from everyday work, which keeps a rhythm, keeps a cohesion, keeps a people together. There's something special about every Friday night gathering together as a family or oftentimes including single people in our family for a time of blessing, a time of good fellowship, a time of a meal together. But it's a lot of work getting ready for that Sabbath. It is a lot of work. Um, you know, you got to get the meal all prepared. In fact, if you're in an Orthodox home, you're not allowed to kindle a fire, so you make sure everything is cooked. And you also have, get, have to have the Saturday afternoon meal prepared, which you stick in a special oven um, that's called the Shabbos oven. It's kind of a little bit more than a pilot light. And they have those. They make those. Um, and in Israel, every family has one. Uh, how many people been to Israel? A couple. How many want to go? 
All right. Um, if you want to go to Israel, um, if you'll, in the room where the coffee is, by the way, this church serves good coffee. Uh, you'll fill out the, the card. We'll keep in touch. We're starting to pray now that things are opening up about leading another tour to Israel. Um, so it takes preparation. It takes preparation for Sabbath. I'd like to think of it as if I'm going to have a date with my wife, I've got to prepare, especially when we had kids at home. I mean, I had to get babysitters. I had to figure out where we're going to go, maybe get tickets. There was a lot going on. And that, you know, that's in addition to everything else I'm doing. But once we got that time set aside and went out on our date, we were together. Nothing was going to intrude on it. And in the same way, um, my wife was anticipating that time together. Sure, it was a hassle. Yeah, sure, we had to get all the kids bathed. Sure, they had to get ready for bed. Sure, we had to tell the babysitter all these things. But she was looking forward to that time oh, together with me. You know? And as soon as you enter into that time, you are there. It's, you know, it's kind of, a, I don't know about childbirth, but you know, once you're th there, you forget about things past. You know, the Bible says, forgetting those things past, we press forward to the mark and the high calling that we have in Christ Jesus. Well, when you step into Sabbath, you forget about all that preparation, all that hecticness, and suddenly you're enveloped with a sacred time in which God's presence, God's love can be enjoyed. Um, one of the things we do in, on Sabbath with our family is we begin the Sabbath by lighting candles. Now, Orthodox Jewish people, my grandparents were Orthodox Jewish people, um, they say a blessing, Baruch atah Eloheinu melech ha'olam, blessed is God, the king of the whole universe who commanded us to light the Sabbath candles. Well, God never commanded us to light Sabbath candles. Jewish people like candles. We, we just like it. Um, but so do Catholic people. But um, <laughs> God never commanded us to light candles. But that candle lighting makes a demarcation, as it were, a visible demarcation between every day and Sabbath. And in that demarcation, we um, bless uh, father has the honor of blessing his wife. We read Proverbs 31. Um, and I know that you say, well, who's working with a distaff and who's giving um, orders to their servants? You know, you know, we kind of modernize it, you know. She's able to turn on the washing machine and she's doing the things that she needs to do uh, with integrity and gets, extends her hands to the poor um, make sure that the family is clothed. All the things that uh, women have to do um, to keep a home running, we bless that. Um, we, we, we understand the work that's involved and why it's important for the good of the household. Just like today, uh, we were, you were asked to be part of the body using your gifts and talents in whatever ministry God leads. Um, no one gift is more important than the other. Um, so 
in the same way, in the household, the women have certain, um, in our household, uh, women had certain responsibilities. Um, they morph, they change. I'm doing more dishes than I've ever done. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fair, it's good. Um, and then we also bless the children. We bless the children. Um, and I want to talk to you about blessing the children, setting aside time to bless your children. Um, we speak blessing over them, but it's not over them. We want that to, blessing to go into them. Uh, today you laid hands on Lucinda and her team, right? Because and, and, you want the blessing not to just be out there. You want them to take it in. And we, we would pray blessing over our children of who they are in Christ, who they really are. They are ambassadors of the Messiah. I had a shy daughter, you know, I'd have to pray, the righteous are as bold as a lion. I would tell her she's righteous. And they took this in, they took this in week after week at this special time. They looked forward to hearing God's blessing. And, you know, some weeks the blessings would change, of course, because of the demands of that week or the uh, things the kids went through each week. They might have needed a different scriptural blessing. But I wanted to bless them. And I can say, you know, on this Father's Day that I am blessed to see uh, my four daughters, successful young women. And I attribute that to God in them and the blessing of God in them, understanding who they are in Christ Jesus. So we bless the children. We sing songs, you know, we, we just rejoice, we, we eat, we linger. You can linger. You, you know, you don't have to get up the next morning bright and early. You don't have to go to work at night. You, you just linger um, in the Lord. And when the candles start to get low, um, yeah, it's time to go to bed. And then in the morning, you don't need an alarm clock unless you come to the 8.30 service. Um, and then you, I need, I need an alarm clock this morning. But you um, can kind of slowly come into the day. Uh, and what that does for me, and just me, is when I'm in bed, wait, just waking up, and I've thought about God and his things the night before, and I know I don't have to do anything really rough this day. I don't have to think about work. I don't have to think about driving um, anywhere far away. You know, I'm just coming to be with my friends and family at church. Um, I can dream things in God. God, that's my time when God really helps me uh, just to calm down enough in his time to speak to my heart about different things. And it's a time for me to listen to him. So we get up, we have breakfast, we go to services, we come home. Um, we sent the kids all out, right? Um, it's a time for husbands and wives to enjoy each other. Um, in our family, we used to give money to the kids. We lived in town. I'd say, okay, kids, go to the 7-Eleven, get yourself an ice cream cone, and don't come back soon, you know? Um, <laughs> Now, that's not really very um, Jewish in the sense that, <laughs> well, it is Jewish in the sense of husbands and wives being together. I think the rabbis wrote that one in, um, but it's um, not Jewish in the sense of money. Jewish people don't handle money on Sabbath. We don't handle money on Sabbath. It's um, because it's work, okay? Okay. 
I'll get back to money if somebody reminds me in a second. But you can make yourself crazy with some of the rules and regulations. So in my grandparents' house, um, you weren't allowed to turn the light switch on and off on Sabbath because turning the light switch on was like kindling a fire and it was forbidden. You'd have to take the light bulb out of the refrigerator. So when you open the refrigerator, the light didn't go on. Now, in our family, this wasn't the case, but I have Orthodox friends in um, Baltimore. They tear the toilet paper beforehand so they don't have to tear toilet paper. That, that only makes me a little crazy, but what really is, I uh, was reading some of these other rules, you're not allowed to die, die. And I think they meant like, you shouldn't dye wool on this day. But in a modern Orthodox home, you know those blue things in your toilet? When you flush the toilet, it turns the water blue. They won't do that because it dyes the water blue. Except if you have the thing on the bowl and dyes it blue immediately, you can't do that. If it's in the tank, then maybe you can do it because it only dyes the tank blue that secondarily runs into the toilet. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? There are a lot of rules. You can walk this far and not that far. Uh, you know, and we'll get to what Jesus said about some of those rules. Back to money just for one second. So ultra-Orthodox family that I was raised in, my grandparents were very Orthodox. Uh, one of my cousins was getting bar mitzvahed at a um, Reformed congregation. Reformed, you know, there's Orthodox, conservative, Reformed, Reconstructionist, and off the cliff. And uh, <laughs> so this was close to off the cliff kind of um, synagogue. And one of the things they did was they passed a basket. I'm so glad you guys don't pass baskets, but you are given the opportunity to worship God through your tithes and offerings by bringing it or, you know, praying and electronically doing it. That's so wonderful. But in this, we used to pass baskets, and but never in Jewish congregations because she didn't carry money. So my uncle knew that they passed the basket and my grandparents and his brothers and sisters were coming who were ultra-Orthodox and they would be freaked out by the passing of the basket because it just can't grasp it culturally. And my uncle Lukash went to the people and said, listen, I know you're going to pass the basket, but don't pass the basket. I will give you whatever money you would get in the passing of the basket. I'm going to buy the basket that week. <laughs> Understanding uh, that culturally, uh, I think it is somewhat uh, significant. Another thing that we don't do with work, so after um, when I was a kid, well, 13, 14, after my bar mitzvah, I would be allowed to study with the adults on Saturday afternoon. It was a big deal to be allowed to study with the adults. And we would study from about, depending on the time of year, because at this time of year, Sabbath is really big. It goes on to 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, because it doesn't get dark. In the winter, it only goes on to 4.30, 5 o'clock. So there's really two modes of Sabbath time. So say it was in the winter time, and uh, we started about 2, 3 o'clock. Now that I'm thinking it, my parents were probably really glad I got out of the house. Uh, and um, anyway, so I went out of the house and um, would go to the, back to the synagogue, and we would study. 
and it would start to get dark, but it wasn't quite the end of Sabbath. And the leader of the group would say to what we call the Shabbos Goy. Goy is short for the word Goyim, which means nations. I think it's a pejorative, but that's what it was called. And we'd say, Henry, it's getting dark in here. And Henry would go over and flip on the light switch because we weren't allowed to do that. Okay, so I started to get a little bit... mm, saying, what is really going on here, right? What does God really want for us from the Sabbath? What what is important on Sabbath day? um, And why can we relegate that uh, to someone else and and not do it ourselves? And I I started to think that maybe that wasn't such a um, godly way to behave, Um, Jesus had the same problem on the Sabbath. Let's look at one of those scriptures um, where Jesus is um, going through the grain fields on Sabbath day. And as he made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees came to him and said, look, what are they doing that's not lawful on the Sabbath? Right? They were really angry. They were angry because the disciples were violating their rules. And Jesus answered them and said, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, and those who were with him, and how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the priest, and ate of the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And then he said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Aren't you glad Jesus is Lord of all? I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I was wearing my yarmulke and coming back from um, D.C. on the metro, going up towards Shady Grove, on a Friday afternoon in winter, it was about three o'clock, and you know, I'd get to Shady Grove about four, and the sun was gonna set at 4.30, so you know, there's a couple of Orthodox people on the train um, with me, and the train kind of stopped. And it was stopped, and it was stopped, and it was stopped, and this one Orthodox guy was starting to freak out, because you're not allowed to ride trains on Sabbath. And he was in a quandary. What, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I could see the agitation on him. He was just more and more and more agitated. And I went up to him. And you have to understand, in Judaism, the rabbi, the rebbe's words carry a lot of weight. I said to him, don't worry. My rebbe says that, the, that man, my rebbe says that the man is not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath is made for man. What a sigh of relief. He said, really? I said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's the truth. When you speak the truth to somebody, it brings life. And so um, we want to remember what Jesus did on the Sabbath. One more thing that Jesus did on the Sabbath. Uh, Next slide, I think. Oh, no, I'll just tell you the story. We'll get to that one. Another thing Jesus did on the Sabbath um, was there was a man in the synagogue with a withered arm, right? You all know this story? 
and he went up to him and healed the person. And the Pharisees, instead of jumping for joy, right, going, this is a miracle, this is great, he said, why do you heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to him, look, if your ox fell in the ditch, wouldn't you pull it out, you know? I thought about that as um, the team is going to Macedonia. I don't think the people who are going to be healed and set free, whether they're deaf here or the, those who are um, in bondage to that lifestyle or those uh, who are blind and, and not having any hope because they're Muslims and in a, in a, in a, in a, impoverished and those who are um, not able to earn an honest living are going to um, not be excited when the faith of God comes to them through the people you're sending out today, right? Aren't they they're going to be excited? And do you think God cares if it's on a Saturday, a Sunday, Monday, whatever day they're over there is going to be the day of celebration for uh, the people, these Roma people? That's exciting. That's exciting. And so Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Healing is good on the Sabbath. Um, I will say Jewish people who are doctors can work in an emergency room on the Sabbath. So it's not as horribly strict as it, um, you might think. Um, you can do good. You can save lives. In fact, you're commanded to save lives if you can. But how much more do we want to bring the life of Jesus to people Whatever day, whatever time, whatever space we meet them in, we have that ability uh, to share with them the good news of Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah. And then let me close with one more scripture, if I might. Um, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not giving into your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 58. If you call the Sabbath a delight, the Sabbath is a delight. When I... um, look forward to going out on a date with my wife. I want a delight in her. And I hope she wants a delight in me and our time together that we have set aside to be together. If we call the Sabbath a delight, um, and it says, go from doing your own pleasure. Well, we've already talked about how we have meals, how we get together uh, as husband and wife. I mean, there's a lot of pleasurable things going on under the lordship of Jesus in that time that God has created for us to enjoy. I think Isaiah is talking about, you know, I don't know, you know, buying and selling. And I I try not to fill my tank up with gas on the Sabbath. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes, you know, I fail. Um, It's not the rules and regulations, it's the heart to loving God and appreciating that God has made you special, has consecrated you, has set you apart as his people, and one of his gifts to you is time. 
One of his gifts to you is time. And if you enjoy it and you call that time a delight and you're not overburdened, you know, is it Martha or Mary who is running around doing Martha? And turn off your inner Martha. You know, when Sabbath comes, you know, uh, at our home, even if everything's not perfectly ready, you know, that's enough. You know, that's enough. Um, we're ready. We want to get our hearts ready. So we call the Sabbath a delight. And God wants you to delight in his time that he has set aside for you. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I pray that um, we would all rejoice in your goodness. We would rejoice in your love. Uh, we would rejoice in your love for us in showing us that we have a full day, a time set aside, time set aside uh, to love you, to, to be with family and friends, to worship you, uh, to think about the things that you've done good for us as we sang today, uh, that you are truly Lord of time and space. You are Lord of time and creation. And we can rejoice in that. I pray that we would take that into our hearts, that we would uh, reflect your love to others, uh, Lord God, that as we see ourselves as your children, that you love and given us so many good gifts, including this time that we would reflect the glory of God to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.